Are you ready, Christine? I'm ready. Are you ready, Ma? I am ready. Let's go. Let's go to Monte Carlo. Oh, is that considered the French Riviera? I believe it is. Va 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 voom. Oh. A young bride is terrorized by the memories of her husband's first wife. Rebecca. Rebecca. 1940. Evidently there was one uh, there was a remake not too long ago. Yeah, like last year on Netflix. Did you see it? I didn't because when it came out, it got, it was just horrendous. It was, the reviews were brutal. They made me cover my eyes when I was, I was like, oh my gosh. Why would you remake a Hitchcock film? I mean, come on. Well, because part of it is, a lot of it's ego. A lot of it is like the stories are pretty much timeless. But here's the thing. Not every director is Alfred Hitchcock. Right. But every director wants to be. Okay, particulars. The particulars. Rebecca was released on April 12th, 1940. It was produced by David O. Selznick, who also produced Gone with the Wind the year before in 1939. Also Mm. Dinner at Eight. Also produced the original A Star is Born, as well as Spellbound and The Third Man. So, Mr. Big Time. The director is Alfred Hitchcock, who directed Rear Window, Psycho, The Man Who Knew Too Much, Torn Curtain. Spellbound, Notorious, and Vertigo, just to name a few. A few. The screenplay is by Robert E. Sherwood. He was a member of the Algonquin Roundtable with Dorothy Parker and Robert Benchley. They were writers who met for lunch every day at the Algonquin Hotel in New York City from roughly 1919 to 1920. He was also a speechwriter for Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And also wrote the screenplay for The Best Years of Our Lives and The Bishop's Wife. Ah. And also Joan Harrison, who was Alfred Hitchcock's secretary. And she also wrote the screenplay for Foreign Correspondent and Jamaica Inn, Suspicion, and Saboteur. And then Philip McDonald and Michael Hogan are credited as the adaptation because this story this film the screenplay was an adaptation or based on the 1938 gothic novel rebecca by i'm gonna need help i'm gonna daphne daphne demure demure who was a writer an english writer and also wrote my cousin rachel the birds and jamaica inn the music is by franz vexman who also did the Philadelphia Story, Rear Window, Suspicion, Bride of Frankenstein, and Sunset Boulevard, to name a few. The director of photography is George Barnes, who also did Meet John Doe, Spellbound, and The Boy with Green Hair. The editor is W. Don Hayes, except he's uncredited. W. Don Hayes did Escape by Night, Born to Speed, and Stander the Great. He's uncredited because Alfred Hitchcock was very famous for what's called 
editing in camera. So Hitchcock, um, he didn't, he didn't want producers after the fact to look at his footage and cut it into a different picture. He saw the movie that he wanted to make in his head. So he only shot what he needed so that the film could really only be placed the way that he wanted. So even because, mm -hmm, because this is his first film, his first American production prior to Rebecca, all of his films had been made in Britain for British production companies. And so, um, David Selznick, he was, you know, he's a big time American producer. He tried to re-edit it and he, I think like, like did, but he could only do so much because Alfred Hitchcock only shot exactly what he wanted. So it was imagine it's like a puzzle piece and only Hitchcock knows the right puzzle. So you can fudge a little bit here and there, but overall, Hey, we didn't shoot it, David O. So that's what you get. Mm-hmm. And in doing research, I found a quote from Peter Bogdanovich, which we've done uh, one of his films. He wrote in pieces of time, quote, it is not insignificant that the three films Alfred Hitchcock directed for Selznick, Rebecca, Spellbound, and The Paradigm Case, are also Hitchcock's least personal and least interesting American films. In oh. some way, the work was always either second rate or a compromise between two opposed temperaments. And I just thought that that was very interesting. As far as like with this film and the editing and then I think like after this, like this is the the thing that gave Hitchcock like yeah, this is why I edit in camera. Haha, <laughs> suckers. Oh. <clears throat> and I have to agree with that. I, I I was a little disappointed. I have to tell you. Yeah, me too. It lost me. Yeah, yeah. It 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 did it meandered a, a lot. So mm-hmm. the cast is. It was Joan way too Fon- long. Yes. Yes. Agreed. Even they even agreed in the Hollywood Reporter review in 1940. They're <laughs> like, this movie's too long. Yeah. Um, Joan Fontaine as the second Mrs. De Winter. So I refer to her from here on out as De Winter. See what I do. <laughs> that's that's clever. Because I was like, wait, what's her name? Oh, she's she doesn't just, have one. Yeah. Okay. They never used her name. Yeah, which is telling about her character. Yeah. So uh, Joan Fontaine, her original name, again, Blair, sorry for what I'm about to butcher the (laughs) French language, Joan de Beauvoir de Havilland. Beauvoir. But it's like (laughs) Beauvoir. Oh, so it's not like Jackie O's. Bouvier. No, that was Bouvier. Butcher, butcher, butcher. Yeah. She's the Sorry, younger Blair. sister of Olivia de Havilland. Mm-hmm. Joan Fontaine was in Gunga Din, Suspicion, and The Constant Nymph. Laurence Olivier as Maxim de Winter. He was around 33 when this was made. He was 33? In... Yeah. He, he was looked in... like, oh man, like he was in his 50s. Oh really? No, I thought he looked nice and young. I'm a I'm a big fan of young Lawrence Olivier. I wasn't impressed with this. I I I enjoyed my I enjoyed my I'm just like, oh look at him. Um, he was in Withering Heights, Marathon Man. He's like, what was his famous line? 
where is it or where are the papers or something was it he's the dentist yes he's the dentist yeah we we'll have, have to, to do, do that. that one um and he's probably famous for his hamlet because Laurence olivier when i was a little kid you would if somebody was being an actor you would be like oh look at you your little olivier like to me as mm. a little as a little kid in the 80s I think that's from just watching a bunch of daytime talk shows with the old Hollywood stars are just smoking like chimneys on them. And like Olivier was, he was it. He was, he was the, it. Yeah. Like he, you think of, he was like the Francis McDormand or like the Meryl Streep. He was the man when it came to yeah. an actor. You were like, oh, like the way people are maybe in the, the 80s and stuff, how people would be reverential to Brando or like De Niro, mm -hmm. except Olivier was British. So he had like the Shakespeare on lock. Right. Right. We have Judith Anderson as Mrs. Danvers. She's an Australian actress. Ah. She was also in Laura, The Ten Commandments and Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Really? Her yeah, this is an interesting nerd alert. So she's she's also a bona fide actress known for her stage roles as well. Um, she was also so she was a big fan of daytime soap operas. She watched General Hospital for 20 years. Oh. And so later in her career, she signed to be on the soap opera Santa Barbara. And everybody's like, Judith Anderson, you're a bona fide actress. What are you doing slumming it? And she said, quote, why not? It's practically the same as doing a play. So she always like, gave the daytime soap operas their props because she's like, it's just it's doing a play every day, a different yeah. play. Right. And, and that's that is the grind of the of the soap opera. Acting. Yeah. Um, George Sanders as Jack Favel. Man, when that guy showed up, I was like, oh, it's about to go off now. Didn't he remind you of the dude from Succession? Um, which dude? The the dude who who wants to marry the sister. Oh uh, no, because I kind like physically and it, kind of in his mannerisms. Except, dude in Succession, it doesn't have the like the gumption. Oh the, yeah, you know, oh, like yeah. the uh, the Just his the, face and his voice even. Yeah. Um. So you remember Joel or George Sanders because he he played Rebecca's first cousin and lover, which it wasn't until I read that that I was like, mm. wait, huh? Yeah, the cousin. Well, well, I'll get to it later. So, you know, George Sanders, most famous from All About Eve. That's where I, I was like, oh, yes. I remember yes. this guy. Okay. He was also in the foreign foreign correspondent. And he was also the voice of Shere Khan in the Disney cartoon, The Jungle Book. Oh. Mm -hmm. So those are the particulars. Very interesting. Well, the movie starts with a voiceover of a woman saying, <clears throat> Last night I dreamt I went back to Manderley again. And we see the driveway overgrown and the shell of a once grand estate house. We then are taken to Monte Carlo and we meet a timid young woman who is a hired companion of a boorish, entitled, rich, older white woman. 
that woman introduces her hired girl to an extremely wealthy widower. A very quick romance ensues, ending in a quickie marriage. The couple then go to his family estate where his first wife died in a boating accident. The nearly child bride meets the first wife's obsessively devoted maid. What, what could, could go, go wrong? wrong? A lot. A lot went wrong. Well, uh, POC count. Uh, hello, people. We're talking rich and uh, 40. So zip this was, <laughs> this was an American production of a film with all British people. <laughs> yeah. I, I think David O. Selznick and uh, I guess MGM were the only American things about this film. This is one of our, how do I say this? I would say it's one of the waspiest movies we've ever done. Yes, definitely. Definitely. And so the power of cast is all about money. But shout out to the Black Springer Spaniel, Jasper. <laughs> I mean, he was in it. He was. That's And it was shot in black and white. So there you go. <laughs> Anybody else on the power of cast? I have for the power of cast, um, the working class. And, you know, how I, Mac, Maxim de Winter is, uh, you know, richity rich. And then um, de Winter, who is Joan Fontaine's character, <laughs> she is a paid companion. Mm-hmm. So she obviously um, st- comes from, she's an American and comes from just hard scrabble, you know, upbringing. And how Danny Danvers, she uses that to torment Do Winter when she shows up. Because she's like, well, where's your, where's your personal maid? Like most ladies who come here have a personal maid. Oh, you don't have one. Oh, you don't know this and this, you know, like just to yes. make her feel bad and stuff. Um, I have that Mrs. Danvers isn't blonde and blue eyed. <laughs> she's uh that's true. Very dark features, dark hair, dark eyes. Even has the um, we're getting into October season. The uh, was that a mole? mole? The requisite mole. Just you know, um, it didn't have any hair growing out of it, and it was flesh colored instead of like black. Mm-hmm. But it it was it was there. And you know, Mandalay, they mention it briefly that. He charges rent because he lets because he gets married, and so he's like, "Oh, rent's free." So obviously he's you know he owns land and stuff. I mean, I was watching yes. it. I, I did wonder. All right, how much how much money and how much of this wealth did um half of my family's ancestors contribute to? You're gonna tell me that uh, Mandalay didn't have his little fingers in the the slave trade going on? Okay, mm-hmm. I, I I was just sizing it up. I was like, hmm, how, where'd you where'd you accumulate all your land wealth from? And who built that monstrosity? You have to go up three steps to go down three steps. What? What was that? Yeah, I, I don't know. Just yeah. 
Okay, um, anything else about cast? Okay, so nerd alerts. Okay, so I have that the film came out in 1940 in April. So leading up to that, you know, Europe's just at war. Um, the U.S. is not currently in World War II when this movie comes out. And there's no mention at None all. None whatsoever. Is... We, but... we were even in Monte Carlo and we didn't hear anything about. Yeah, because they're like, there's nothing to see here. But I, it will say that I believe early in 1940, the U.K. does start rationing food. So... It, it, it is getting it's getting kind of dire. The Three Stooges short comedy, You Nazi Spy, spelled N-T-Z-Y, was the first Hollywood parody of Hitler. Oh, wow. Pinocchio, Disney's, um, sec Disney's second animated film was released in the U.S. That was only the second? Yeah, I think Snow White was the Snow first. Snow White was the first, I'm pretty sure. It's, it's 1940, you know? Hattie McDaniel becomes the first African-American to win an Academy Award for her role in Gone mm. with the Wind. There was a long drought after that. Yeah, and, you know, she wasn't allowed to actually sit in the auditorium. She had to wait outside, and then when they called her name, then she went to get her award. So I'm that. thinking probably a person of color opened the door for her to walk into the Bravo. Academy Awards. Robin the Boy Wonder makes his debut in Detective Comics number 38. And uh, Booker T. Washington is the first African-American depicted on a U.S. postage stamp. Wow. The top Such five progress. movies of 1940 are number five, Strike Up the Band. Number four, The Philadelphia Story. Uh -huh. Number three, Rebecca. So this was a, this was a hit. Oh. Number two, The Great Dictator. So um, I guess later on, on in the year, Charlie Chaplin gets on, gets in on his little making fun of Hitler thing. And the number one film of 1940 was a film called Boomtown. Huh. So, the Oscars, the best picture nominees were The Philadelphia Story, Our Town, The Long Voyage Home. The letter. Sorry, my printer is running out of ink. Mm. Kitty Foy, The Great Dictator, The Grapes of Wrath, Foreign Correspondence, This and Heaven Too. And the winner for Best Picture 1940 was Rebecca. Rebecca. Really? Best yeah. Picture. Yes, I mean, it beat out picture. Philadelphia Story, Grapes of Wrath. Wow. Yeah, a lot. So I have another nerd alert, but does anybody else want to go with their nerd alerts? I don't have any. Me either. I think mine's somewhere of a tasty nug. All right. Well, my final nerd alert that I have is something that I just learned this week. And so I have shoehorned it in because... I did not know this, and I think that it is an important thing to know, and it ties into current events. So, this movie came out in 1940. In 1940, Haiti was still paying France reparations. Haiti was paying France reparations. Yes. It's referred to, and you can look this up, it's called the Haitian Independence Debt. So, in 1804... Haiti won their freedom 
from France in the Haitian Revolution of 1804. Prior to that, going into the 1800s, Haiti was the most profitable colony on the planet. Like, it was Ooh. just making all this money. Of course, it was a colony of France, so all that money was going to France. Right. And it was big in sugar plantations and coffee. And who was on those plantations working was slaves, you know, from the slave trade. They got from Africa, and they're like, here, you're going to work. You're not free. We own you. So... There was a revolution, and in 1804, Haiti actually won their independence. They were wow. like, yo, we are free. So in 1825, the French returned with warships, and they, depend they demanded that the new independent country pay the French government and French slaveholders $150 million dollars. That was 10 times more than the U.S. paid France around the same time for the Louisiana Purchase. So that $150 million in 1825 was the equivalent of $21 billion. Oh, my God. Oh my God. And it was because France demanded this because their property, which... Keep in mind, when they say property, they're talking about human beings. They're talking about enslaved people. That their property, um, you know, the people that were forced to work for free turned Haiti into the profitable sugar and coffee producing, you know, just, just millions. And so when, when that pipeline got cut off, France got it all caught up in their feelings. Now, keep in mind... This happened, so this is what's going on between 1804, when they won their independence, and 1825, when France comes back. Between that time, you know, there's still slavery going on in the United States. And the United States government does not want the enslaved people in the U.S. to hear about what happened in Haiti. Because right. they're like, what? They won their independence? So the United States did not... Um, recognize Haiti as an independent country. And along with the other Western European countries, they kind of cut off all trade. So here Haiti is with all this sugar, all this coffee. They're in the Atlantic with all these Western countries. They don't want anything to do with them. So they have all of this stuff and they can't, you know, it's, it's basically like what, what they do with like embargoes and stuff, you know? Right. So Haiti's a fledgling country. They're trying to pay for schools, infrastructure, all that. Nobody will buy it. So they're kind of struggling. Then in 1825, France comes with all these warships, and they're like, you owe us the equivalent today of, of them coming and being like $21 billion, or else we have these warships. We can, we can go again, you know? Which, it's, it's called, there's a name for it. It's called extortion. Right. So, so, um, the, so they froze like the trade and all of that. So then Haiti had to borrow money from France, from French banks. Oh my God. Also from the American bank, Citibank. And of course there was interest involved in that. Their debt was finally paid off in 1947. So while this movie is coming out, like, well, in 1940, Haiti is still paying off this debt. 
Oh my god! And I had no idea about it until this week when I I heard something about this, and I'm like, wait, what? And then I had to go and research it because it's very easy to look at Haiti and just be like, oh man, because the poverty rate in Haiti is sixty percent. Right. Sixty percent of Haitians live in poverty, and the poverty rate in France is eight point three percent. And it's just crazy interesting because in the United States, we hear about reparations for slavery. We hear about reparations for the housing discrimination that happened post-World War II. I hear, but everybody's like, oh, no, you can't. But in this case, Haiti had to pay reparations for their freedom to slaveholders. So there's people in France who have accumulated wealth off of the, the extortion that Haiti had to pay all of these years and there has been talk of like there be been people in the haitian government who have said hey like we had to pay you 21 billion dollars of extortion we're living in 60 percent poverty what the fuck right? like, yeah give us our money back and yeah. crickets 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 so oh, look into that the, yeah. the next time you're wondering like Oh, he's like, what's going on? Oh, Haiti can't get their act together. Oh, $21 billion that did not go to starting schools, infrastructure, hospitals, just right off the bat. And then go look into all of like the Caribbean countries and stuff. You're going to sugar and coffee. That doesn't go out of style. Right. <laughs> like we're all addicted to those two things. They should be living it up, printing paper. Think about why now people, and then, because the whole reason I got into it was I was like, wait, they were in Brazil and now they're at the border? Google, you know how I like to look at maps. You're going to tell me that people, like, treacherous jungles, they cross all of that? For why? What? And then... so there need like you can you can be like hush and poo poo, but there's a reason behind it, and it it is disgusting and deplorable, and I can't believe that I didn't I had no idea about it until no, but no, no. So that's my nerd alert. Wow, wow. Well, it's hard to go on, but we will. We are too negative. I definitely will not put my. Um, I'm glad I didn't do my. Nerd alert about ladies' companions. I'll leave that for Tasty Nuggets. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I was curious about that, but I just felt that I I read it and I was like, it stopped in 1947. I'm like, I'm shoehorning this in because it's I need I didn't know, and a lot of people probably didn't know. And now when you look at the news, maybe you'll have a little bit of different perspective on like just what the fuck happened because i th- i feel like the news likes to paint it off as like oh haiti they're poor and they're black because they're black and poor you know like that whole thing doesn't go into this whole no they actually won their independence and then they got charged like extorted out of it and the reason they're in poverty is because of the west yeah because i'm 69 years old and from the time I remember anything, Haiti was always a poor country that just was poor and just kept getting poorer and and nothing was being done. Mm-hmm. So, and I never heard anything about that. Yep. Okay, Christine, do you have negative reheatables? Um, yeah, sorry, I'm on ZipRecruiter looking up jobs as a lady companion. 
Um, <laughs> they're still hiring. Um, my negatives. Who goes on a walk in that outfit is what I wrote. Yes. Oh, in the beginning. She's just like strolling around in a skirt in the mountains. A wool skirt, it looked like. And those shoes. Yeah, put yeah. some pants on. Um, nobody asked if they could smoke in other people's houses. Yeah. Like when... <clears throat> When well, everybody big, did smoke, though. When the lady came to be like, you're coming with me. we got to go to New York. My daughter's getting married. And then the guy was like, i got to go get your stuff out of the car. I'm great at telling this story. Um, he left his apartment or his house, and then they just started smoking in there. Yeah. And nobody asked. It was just no. assumed. No. That was when doctors prescribed cigarettes to you. It'll, it'll put color in your cheeks, they said. <laughs> um, men always leaving their wives when they move into new houses. Every scary movie. Mm-hmm. They move into the house. And then he was like, oh, get, a, get acquainted with the house. I'm going out of town. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We just moved in. I need Like, no. Yeah. Oh, and then what? Oh, sorry. <laughs> and then, um, I'll save that for my LVP. Ah. Okay. Well, I have bullying because Mrs. Mrs. Van Hopper was a bully. Mrs. Danvers was a bully. Truth be told, Mr. De Winter was a bully. Mm-hmm. I mean. It's a bunch of bullies. A fur rug in a dining room? I noticed that too, but I didn't write it down. Yes. Oh my gosh. Why? What sense does that make? It I mean, no even sense. the prim, prim and proper people drop a, a, a crumb once in a while. No, they You're going to get hollandaise out of that? <laughs> Although maybe the maybe the black spring Jasper. <laughs> Jasper will go and take care of it. You Can know, you imagine Mac licking that? That's what I was going to say. <laughs> that thing would have been matted. It would have mm-hmm. just been flat and just matted because Mac was just going to town licking it. Um, marrying someone you consider a child. <laughs> yeah. So there's that. And getting married after what? Three days? Was it three days that they knew each other? Yeah. O- on vacation. <laughs> in, the, in Monaco. What could go wrong? <laughs> okay, those were those were my uh, outstanding ones. Okay, so my negative reheatables, bad reheatables, I have do winters. I have to, I have to create a name for her character because she didn't even have one. She's just referred to as the second Mrs. De Winters. Even in the book. Yeah, she's just well in the book, she's the narrator, I think. So, oh, okay. so it's just her point she was of view. I then. Okay. But I was I was like, wait a second. They they had a whole meeting and I guess she just Edith with a Y just referred to her as her lady companion. Yes. So um 
I'm very interested in the tasting nuggets about the paid companion because I just had questions in my mm. negative repeatables. I was like, is this a haze code thing? Is she just really her personal assistant? What is their relationship? Because I said lady companion. I was like, um... Mm. 1940, you have Hayes Co. Well, she got trounced because another negative reheatable convertibles in England. What? Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? Who said that's a good idea? Um, biting nails. That's just always a gross for me. Even before 2020, I was just like, oh, and now it's even more. Was uh, was uh, do winter biting her nails? I think somebody just mentioned biting nails and not set me off, and I was just like, oh my gosh. Um, Baxum made do winter promise promise me no black satin, and I'm like, oh, I can make that promise check. No pearls. I'm like, okay check and like, never be 36 years old i'm like well now i could make that promise <laughs> yeah. but her how you gonna how you gonna keep that promise huh uh, hey um might have made that happen with the uh first de winter Mm-hmm. I thought that they were really flippant about how they were she's in the south of france and she's just gonna travel back to new york um, like this is 1940. Isn't yeah. there something called the Battle of the Atlantic going on? You're just crossing back and forth. But apparently, the term Battle of the Atlantic was coined by Winston Churchill on March 6, 1941. Oh. So really, they could they were you know traveling to and fro like it was no big deal because it wasn't until June of 1940 that France fell. And then that's when the U-boats just started going to town. So I guess they were feeling like nothing to see here. I'm sure he's just a little baby. It's it's nothing. We're living our lives. It's fine. Um, Your house being open to the public once a week? Yeah, and that was in the 40s. Yeah. Because I, that still exists, though I feel like it does. It definitely does. You oh, hear yeah. about it, um, house, but like other it, houses. Well, yeah, like the van. There are several big, yeah. the big ass houses that had to be open to the public. Because in um, Downton Abbey, they were how the big house couldn't couldn't maintain its existence as it had before, um, and you had to do something to keep the money coming in i know but i'm just i understand from a business wise but when you're living there it just seems like oh man just just uh, anybody can just come in my house my domicile those shoes that have been everywhere you can't make them take them off i i can't i can't just go, go you know sometimes i'm between outfits you know i hey i'm running around I got things to do. So, you know, 
catch me. I like to air dry, but I guess I can't because the public needs to come in. I'm sure that there are some rooms that the public doesn't see, just like in the White House. You can't go up to their personal residence. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of fur in Rebecca's closet. Yes, there was. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a definition of a bad reheatable now. Although the Einstein's having a convertible, it made sense <laughs> that you would have to have fur. Um why would anybody why would she ever trust Danny, especially after their well, it is creepy. I mean it, and when Danny is being super creepy about the negligee and like, look how see-through it is. And yeah. the underwear. Yeah, and the underwear. And then you're going to tell me that you listen to everything that this this woman has been super cold to you. Now she's been super creepy. You know she's been creepy because Joan Fontaine is like, what is this? This is creepy. <laughs> And then you're and then you're walking down. It's like, hey, yeah, that's a good idea. Wear that for that. Why would you ever believe anything that that woman tells you? Um, Maxim. Oh, and the fact that Rebecca only died a year ago. Mm-hmm. I was like, it's mm-hmm. only been it's been one year. <laughs> that's, I mean, that seems very short to me. Very short turnaround. Um, and then finally. But Maxim did kill Rebecca, though, right? I mean, well, uh, it it was an accident. But he hit her. He hit her, and she fell down and hit her head. That's manslaughter, no? (laughs) In the very yeah, that's true. Yeah, hmm, I was just so that in the book, in the book, he did. uh, He shoots her in the heart. So, truth be told, this is a murder podcast. <laughs> we are doing it. And it's this is when I do watch my murders in the morning, Sunday mornings. Um, well, yeah, because the Haynes Code, which we've talked about before, that they put into production code, said specifically that spouses, if they murder, if a spouse is murdered by another spouse, the spouse that is the murderer must be punished. And so that would mean mm. if they kept to the book, because yes. Maxim yes. shoots Rebecca, that yes. Maxim would have to go to jail. And so to fudge it, they... <laughs> what a stupid rule. Like, the Hayes Code is so stupid. Yeah. Of it was stupid. Um, and, wait, I had a thought. Mm. And, oh, man, it's gone. <laughs> That's how fast it happens, folks. It's That's speedy. how fast it goes. Those were my negative reheatables. So we're to positive reheatables, and I don't have a thing written down. I got a lot. I don't. I don't don't have a lot, but a couple. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you do? (laughs) I like that as a phrase. How do you do? How do you do? Howdy. Howdy. Isn't that what howdy is? It's just a short. Oh my god! It's like y'all, mm-hmm. but it's howdy. Well, people, howdy, howdy has made a comeback with the younger crowd these days. Well, my dad, look, don't tell him that because he's always said howdy. Well, he's howdy, howdy partner. Now it's trendy. 
Um, that is a nice room. Yeah. The rooms. Rebecca's creepy room. Yeah. It had yeah. such high, it was so light. Oh, it overlooks the sea. The sea. <laughs> Daph, um, this is from Adam. He said Daphne would be a good dog name. Oh, yeah. Oh. That would be a good dog name. And then, oh, Ira, that's a positive. It seems like more of a negative. I just wrote Danvers needs some eye cream. <laughs> oh, yeah. She didn't know about that hydroxy retinol. Yeah. She's she, retinol. Had, she didn't have an Ava Longoria to show her the way. So, those are mine. And Aaron. All right. I really like Joan Fontaine's vulnerableness. Now, the acting in this is very dated, of yes. course. Yeah. But I did feel that she really was able to convey, which I think is hard, and that's why it was so hard to cast this, because Hollywood is full of beautiful women. And the thing is, like, with a beautiful woman, it's, like, just, we've talked about it before, like, pretty people, how they go through the world differently than us normal-looking folks, you know? Just doors open to them, and they just have a different life experience. And so I thought she was did a really good job of being someone who, I think she's, I'm, I don't mean this, this is going to sound like it's, I'm not being disrespectful. I think that she's beautiful, but she isn't, she's like attainable beauty. She seemed like a, like a kind of beautiful person that you would see out in the, in the real world and be like, oh, that's a pretty person. Like she didn't seem, oh my God, a beautiful person. So it felt, re it felt that. I believe that Maxim would see her and fall for her and that she would be lacking self-confidence because it wasn't exactly like she was Lana Turner going to the soda place and getting picked up by Hollywood agents, you know? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. They, they made it sound like she was a real dog, though, and she wasn't. I mean, she was attractive. And they downplayed her attractiveness, of course. Mm -hmm. But, and, um, yeah, she wasn't like, you know, ugly. Yeah, she wasn't ugly. Or, no, by, by no means. But I'm just saying, like, that part, um, I don't who would be of the time? I don't, I don't know. Like, it, it would just seem, like, Catherine Hepburn wouldn't have been believable. Right, you know, like I'm just saying, like she just had that vulnerability. Yeah, she definitely her. did, and she had that naivete, and I think she had the nervousness, and that's what Hitchcock saw because she was nervous and able to be vulnerable in the audition, and Hitchcock saw that and was like, "Yes, that's what you need to be do mm -hmm. winter." So I and I thought her reactions <laughs> very over the top, but yes. hilarious because it would be true. Like, what would your reaction be if you had somebody like Danvers <laughs> going over that? Like, I would kind of just, like, do the shaky and <gasps> back out of the room. Yes! <laughs> I was like, these reactions are on point. This is how you should be feeling. Um, the story of Rebecca drowning, 
as soon as he said like that she drowned, it reminded me of Natalie Wood, and I instantly was like, Maxim had something to do with it. Oh. I was just like, oh, they did. Ah. And part oh. of it was shot off Catalina Island. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. George Sanders showing up, and he just hops through the window, being all yeah. George Sanders-y. Yeah. I'm like, this now, okay, now this movie is, is picked back up. Now it's got my attention, because this guy showed back up. Um, Rebecca swinging out drawers. I yeah, love those were those. pretty cool. Oh. Those were pretty cool. I thought those were really cool. The Okay, so Joan Fontaine is the younger sister of Olivia de Havilland. Correct. And the story goes that they had they were definitely had a sibling rivalry. And the story is that the the mother was an, I believe an actress and pushed Olivia to go into acting. And because Olivia de Havilland was the mother's favorite, she kept the name. But when Joan wanted to get into acting, that she was like, no, you can't use de Havilland. Oh something God. like that. It was something weird. And that's why Joan changed her name to Joan Fontaine. Who knows? They have... I would like to see a rivalry, like the, you know, the rivalry series. Like but, feud. Yeah, but with the, these sisters, the Havilland yeah. sisters. So, I wondered when they showed the dress, and they were like, oh, you should be in that dress, and she's in the dress, if that was some kind of slight knock or something to Olivia de Havilland, because remember, Olivia de Havilland the year before played Melanie in Gone with the Wind, mm-hmm. and that outfit it to me was very gone with the wind mm-hmm. seemed very antebellum type attire so i was like oh i wonder if there's like a dig in there and then um so it just reminded me of gone with the wind that the sister was in and i i think i have more on that later phi which is protected health information and the hipaa c privacy rule um, that's something that per, that is uh, applied to healthcare providers. So they're not mm-hmm. supposed to just be all willy nilly with um, your diagnosis. So that whole end scene with the doctor just telling everybody Rebecca's, oh yeah, she had cancer, no big deal. I'm like, oh, I, I believe that that's why in the United States we have PHI and and HIPAA type things because uh, I think they would have to go through some sort of legal proceedings to get that sort of information to come about Mm. um Lawrence Olivier his mustache his twinkling eyes (laughs) I'm a big fan of young Olivier I was just like look at this man um but okay this is a good reheatable but it's good in that it still applies but it's really bad that would be toxic relationships. Yes. I got this from the Huffington Post article from Rebecca Conroy. Delusions, mental confusion, and ego. That She said that that's what this whole movie is about. And she also pointed out how none of the women characters have any wholeness. And quote, for it is through and for her, which would be Joan Fontaine's character, that everyone else's drama, and I add trauma, takes place. Mm-hmm. And she also mentioned how Rebecca has no ego, and that's why she's able 
to be the character that she is. And I'm like, she has no ego because she has no self-esteem. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I, I don't care if you don't love me. I'll just be your companion if you pay me. Yeah. Yeah. Her, yeah. Her character is pretty wild. And then I have my final good readable is really a question to you both. Hmm. Um, and it's about the character of Rebecca, because in the, this movie is called Rebecca, but we never actually see Rebecca. We don't even see a picture a of picture. Rebecca because we've had Laura where where that character was never seen. But um, we saw a picture of her, at least. So the whole thing about Rebecca is at the beginning, she is this almost godlike figure and everybody loves her she was she was great and then when it comes and we then we get this other version of her which only comes from maxim i believe and that is that she wasn't that she was a like a horrible person and mm -hmm. she was having an affair with her cousin and that the cousin was the one that it, it, that she said impregnated her, and you because the, the whole movie is from Rebecca's or is from DeWinter's point of view that she's that Maxim is still in love with Rebecca and she'll never be able to live up to Rebecca's fill Rebecca's right. shoes, and then it comes out Maxim's like no I actually hated Rebecca, and it's like so then you leave the movie thinking that Rebecca was a horrible person, that she was, well, spoiler alert, I mean, gosh, you know Gone with the Bushes, that the whole reason that Rebecca, Rebecca didn't want to have a lingering death, and she found out that she had cancer, so she told Maxim that she was pregnant with another man's kid because she knew that Maxim would fly into rage because the sister mentioned it to DeWinter that mm -hmm. he could just fly off into a rage and then... So he he's like, oh, baited to kill. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But we only get that side of Rebecca from Maxim. Except that, remember, Danvers um, said that she, she wasn't able to love. She didn't right. love anybody. So, so I, I, I kind of thought that when I thought about Rebecca, it made me think that well, Rebecca was just somebody who I think would have a, some would say cynical worldview, but maybe realistic. Like she knows the answer to every question is money, how she wants to, you know, she knows that she wants to live this nice life. Mm -hmm. She catches Maxim. I feel like she, here's the thing that some people hush hush or poo poo. I'm of the belief that Maxim was at least bisexual. Maybe yeah. even closeted well. gay. And that she knew that about Maxim. Oh, so she was Maxim holding would, that over his head. And that, that, But that's the reason that Maxim will fly into fits of rage because he couldn't live the life that he really wanted to live because he was closeted. And maybe he didn't even know that about himself. But Rebecca had was worldly and knew around the block. Like she, maybe she was even in a relationship with Danny because there definitely were, like Danny definitely had those vibes, the lesbian vibes with Rebecca. Oh my God, yes. Like, maybe Rebecca was just like, hey, love is a spectrum. Like, that's fine, because she's doing it with her cousin. 
Like, hopefully it's cousin is like Eleanor and Franklin Roosevelt and not like cousins you share the same grandparents and stuff. Just like, ooh. But, you know, that she was just all right. And then she marries him and, and she, from her point of view, it's like, why are you being so mad at me, Maxim? You're a closeted homosexual not living your life. I will play the role of the wife. And then, but, you know, he's off on his own thing. And then that's why he twisted that she's a horrible person and uh-huh. all of that. And your question is, do we agree with you or? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm ready for the question. Um, Did you think that then this was just the process repeating itself over again with do winter how she is then like it's just this is what maxim does and that pretty soon he's going like she's gonna realize the same thing about him and then he's gonna grow to resent her and twist it up that she's an evil person and needs to be taken out the game yeah they're not gonna be happy in their marriage we know that right they Um, knew each other for a day (laughs) <laughs> and he was not at all giving uh, um yeah yeah she'll probably end up dead yeah right right that's what i thought i was like she's just the new rebecca yeah she'll probably end up dead by killing herself she won't make maxim do it She'll jump out that window that Danny was telling her to jump out. Well, man, that's gone. They have to have a, they got to. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Danvers true. burned it down. Yeah. Uh, possibly. Uh, the, the true flawed character here is Maxim. I might have to change my LVP. <laughs> well, okay. So we are to quotables. And I have some that um, that Maxim said that uh, show you how he thinks she is a child. Like, come on, eat it up like a good girl. That was the, when they were first together and she had breakfast with him. Oh, he was very derogatory and condescending. I'm asking you to marry me, you little fool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how did she that's not... How I... Yeah. Back out right then. She has it's no a, self-esteem. It's a pity you have to grow up. Oh, man. He is, he is firmly in the R. Kelly. <laughs> 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 then, which which goes with your point of, uh, yeah, he's going to find her attractive because she's a little girl. He doesn't want to be with a woman. And then his sister says to her, I can see by the way you look, you don't care about clothes. Yeah. <laughs> I, feel like that, I feel like that, but if somebody said that to me, I would be like, I know that you're trying to, to be a dig, but that's my truth. So, haha. Yeah. <laughs> yes. As a matter of fact, you slag. <laughs> Other quotables. Um, I have, he travels fastest, who travels alone. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and then if she doesn't like you, she'll probably tell you right to your face. That was about the sister. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. And she was. 
Those are not an attractive person. I have when he meets her. This is the very first time. This is what he says to her. Get on with your walking. Don't hang about screaming. (laughs) Because he was going to he was on the edge of the cliff looking like he was about to jump off with those those deep pools of Lawrence Olivier eyes. Oh, you were smitten. I, I've always been smitten on a, on a young Olivier. Um, and he's like, oh, what are you? Uh, just don't go away screaming. Just, uh, you're like, oh, man, damn. Um, your effort to enter the conversation quite embarrassed me. And I'm sure it did him. Men loathe that sort of thing. Oh, mm. come on. Don't sulk. That was mm. uh, Mrs. Edith with a Y, Van Hopper. Mm. Yes, she yeah. was a bully. Yeah. Um. I am the I. What did she say? I am Mrs. De Winter now. Yes. Yes. <laughs> she, she. She flexed some muscle. Um. And then he says this, and I was just like, oh. So this is after he spills his guts to De Winter, <laughs> and he says he's looking at her lovingly and says, "It's gone forever." That funny young lost look I loved won't ever come back. I killed that when I told you about Rebecca. It's gone. In a few hours, you've grown so much older. Mm-hmm. Which that means he's done. He yeah. told you the secret. He's, he promised black satin, pearls, never be 36, meaning never grow into be full womanhood. And then he told, and he's like, hi, oh, you're no longer dumb and naive and stupid and confused. Now you're all old. I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. LVP. Um, my LVP is, this reminded me of Princess Diana. I put that too. Ooh. Oh my like, god! In the beginning, uh, he picked her because, well, of course, you know, they had to find a virgin because they actually back then did a test to make sure that she was a virgin before he would marry her. And he had he picked somebody who he thought was going to be a do winter, who was just going to be there because she wasn't up for royalty. I mean, she. She yeah, had. she was just gonna play her part. She was gonna know her part and and stay in her lane and and be submissive. Right, exactly, exactly. And she didn't know anything, and nobody was told her anything in the beginning. You know, like uh, the crown shows her coming into a a group of people, and she didn't know. She knew to address the queen first, but she didn't know the protocol after that. And they're looking at her like, how do you not know this? Mm-hmm. Well, nobody taught her that. You know, yeah. she wasn't, she wore an off-the-shoulder dress. That was a no-no. She didn't know. So, um, yeah. that Yeah, it, being set up for failure, and then mm-hmm. the, your spouse that is supposed to have your back just being completely absent. And leaving her alone all those times and not being supportive at all, not being like, okay, like sit down. Here's the thing. Here's my family. It's wild. Here's we need to go like to school and you have to know all of this kind of stuff. I know it's crazy, but, but then you're asking a lot from Charles (laughs) because 
Like, what is he working with? Right. You know? And he was in love with somebody else. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the family made that happen. So, yes, that's my LVP. My LVP is Rebecca. No, not Rebecca. Do Winter. Do Winter. Do Winter. Mm. Leaving, she seemed to have, like, a fun thing going on with, okay, she was a lady companion, but... She was traveling. Mm-hmm. She's gone everywhere. They're about to go to New York. And she kind of had it made. She could go play tennis when she wanted to. That's a good point. And now she left that for this stupid man who was like demeaning and yes. like, I, I just didn't get it. I didn't buy it. Why would she do that? He didn't wine and dine her or, you know. He certainly mm-hmm. didn't. Yeah. So wow. I think she was, she, she's the real LVP. She got herself into that situation. She wasn't tricked into it. She just went for it. She did. She went for the, well, sort of like Diana. She went mm-hmm. for the, uh, the, uh, the dream of it, the fairy tale of it. Mm-hmm. And that's not the reality. It's not the reality. True. Ooh. I agree. Okay. I co- I completely agree. That's why I have my LVP is hear me out. It's why I actually agree with Teeny. But my LVP is actually answers the question of she had this great thing going. Why would she give it all up? Because my LVP is Edith with a Y. Because Edith with a Y, now, I think that this term gets thrown around very loosely for women, that anybody who is like a boss or something, that they just lump them in. But I think Edith with a Y, hopefully we can all agree, she's a bitch. Oh, yeah. And I think that's... She's an an entitled bitch. She was such an entitled bitch that now I'm I'm hearing like Teeny's LVP. I'm like, I think that Eve with a Y is what pushed Rebecca. Although, yes, I completely agree with everything that Teeny says that Rebecca should have had more self-esteem and self-value. Yeah, not... (laughs) (laughs) But that... I my LVP was, was Edith with a Y. I just thought that the way that she treated Rebecca was, I just you know what honestly I just didn't like Edith with a Y. No, I just didn't like anything about her, and that's. And I feel like her, it was it was for Rebecca. You either stay with this woman. Who, well, do, not Rebecca. We keep saying that. Oh it's yeah, do yeah, winter. Yeah. You winter. You you. Your job is you have a job. You have you're getting paid to travel around, but you have to put up with this woman who puts her cigarettes out in her face cream. So yeah. uh, or and she you, went to the French Riviera and got sick. And then she she's like, Oh, and when she finds out about um do winter going off with Maxim, and she's like, Oh, what were you doing? Oh, it's like you didn't do anything. I uh yeah, the, bitch, I, I'm on the French Riviera. I'm doing what I want to do, but yeah, just just both both of them. Actually, everyone in this film is an LVP, honestly. Well, she traded one bully for another, and the problem was she was invested in in Maxim, so her mm-hmm. heart's gonna be broken. True, true enough. Okay, MVPs. 
mine is the quote you already said when she finally grew a one half of a ball and said, I'm Mrs. De Winter now. Yeah. And then it crumbled very quickly yeah, after that. And, and now she's not going to be anymore because she grew up. Mine is the mansion. The ceilings, the ornateness, mm. the doors, the candles. Uh-huh. Manderley. And I did like the final scene. With, or not the final scene. I liked the fire. The fire was great. The sound mm-hmm. of the fire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. I wondered how the how they did that when it was coming in and the camera. And I'm just like, this is film. Film is highly flammable. How are they doing this? Hitchcock. Hitchcock. Because mm-hmm. it really felt in the crackling and stuff. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it should be said that this movie is not available for streaming anywhere, but... Guys, Google it. There's a great print online, full HD. You'll find I, it. I watched up. on YouTube. Yeah, and it was that's what perfect. I did. I didn't it think was it perfect. was. Yeah, it was totally fine. It was great. My MVP is Jasper. Jasper <laughs> the dog. Because isn't True. that the reason why she lives? Because didn't Jasper go off? Maybe I'm misremembering the end of it, but. Because the he's coming around after fights, yes. like being absolved of the murder, which he really did commit. And then he's like, Where where's the sun? Oh, it's Mandalay, it's burning. Cause, you know, <laughs> Danny just lit the place on fire. <laughs> and then you I just, think it started with the negligee. Yeah, and then, <laughs> then you just see Jasper, and I'm like, I bet Jasper saved her. I just like just Jasper. He's my MVP. Outstanding. Well, we are to recasting, and I finally did come up with one last night. Oh, nice. I have, I kind of have four. Wow. I'm going to go with uh, Teeny, probably let this one go. So I'm going to do mine because you said you you really nailed it. And so (laughs) I am going to go first because I came up with one last night and um it's okay it mine's okay okay i only did three i did uh do winter maxim and mrs danvers mm-hmm. okay that's what i did as well so my do winter is dakota fanning okay yes okay uh-huh uh my maxim is tom hardy Oh, mm, I am a fan of Tom Harding as well. Interesting. Oh, he's so brooding. He could be so brooding. So my Mrs. Danvers, I'm pretty happy with. Helena Bonham. Bottom Carter. Carter. Oh, my gosh. She would be too. She would have made me jump. (laughs) She would have been too good. Yeah. And can't you see Dakota Fanning just really being like so intimidated by her? Okay. So you have, oh, I have several. four. Yeah, four. I have several. I just went crazy on the recasting while watching this. Well, okay, so the first one I'll do, you kind of alluded to it, is I was watching this. I thought of Natalie Wood. I thought of Princess Diana. And then the recasting, I was like, oh, you know what, though? Instead of it being Diana, you could easily have Do Winter be Megan, Maxim be Harry. Yes. yes. And then Do Winters is, I mean, Danvers is just the monarchy. I think that fits yes. very easily. Yes. Well done. 
So then for my first cast, I have my late 80s cast, my late 1980s cast. So for Maxim, I have Carrie Elways. You know, yes, 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 Princess Bride. Mm-hmm. My do winter, I have Isabella Rossellini. Oh. And as my Danvers, I have Cher. Ooh. Wow. <laughs> I think she would be, she could have been mm-hmm. an excellent Mrs. Danvers. Yeah, she you would. Know? She would be. Damn. So then this next cast, this would be um, in, I, I would love to see this movie in now times. I call mm-hmm. it my power of cast cast because I put a wrinkle in there that I think would add more to it. So for my maxim, I have Daniel Craig. Mm-hmm. My do winter, I have Regina Hall. Yes, I thought because of this. this what twist if, too. right? So yeah. Rebecca is like a, obviously a white woman, and then you bring in like a black woman. So then she also has like the are they being racist? Or are they not being racist? Like that whole thing. You put in like the power of caste with Would that. Would you be treating a white woman like this? Yeah. Right, but but you know, but she, but yeah, but and yeah, I just thought like oh, it's fascinating. And then you put in as Danvers. Olivia Coleman. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. Oh wow, that would be good. I love Olivia Coleman. Right. I thought that would be great. You get all these subtleties and stuff. I don't mm-hmm. I don't know that there's anybody that could handle the nuance of this, so whatever. My final cast is what I call my esoteric cast. Because it's uh mm. About to get a little trippy, guys. <laughs> so, for my do winter, I just cast just just us in 2021. You could just anyone with hope. Any you could it could be a young person, just anyone, just that just you know, just trying to to live their life. And then Maxim is the world. You know, the world's seen it all. It's a bit weary. It's actually growing warmer by the moment. <laughs> but it's just seen it all, you know. And then Danny is the internet. Ooh, wow. Huh? Oh. Slash ego. Just that, you know, just that, just that, just whispering into your ear. Yeah, that's true. You know, just all those like negative things, always comparing you to Ooh. somebody else. Ooh. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Day tripping. Yeah. I, I was. At eight in the morning. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> Damn. Ooh, that's heavy. Yeah, when I thought of that, I was like, oh, snap. <laughs> Ain't nobody going to beat this. <laughs> we forgot to even tell the listeners we're doing brunch with the bushes right now. Oh, we are. It's it's early edition. I'm drinking at 8 a.m. The morning show. (laughs) I think I still have alcohol in me from last night, so definitely we're good too. Yeah, (laughs) I I I know that feeling. Okay, we are to tasty nuggets. Would you like Um, to hear about Lady Companions? Oh, I do. Oh, oh. I do want to hear about Lady Companions. 
Okay, well, I'll do it then. Let's talk about them. I think that you're set the scene. Teeny's in her her uh, night her uh, robe. I am in a robe, seems, and I'm wearing very, a slip. Very lady companion. It's just <laughs> your very lady companion right now. Yes. Um, I was a lady companion last night. <laughs> so, a uh, <laughs> lady's companion. There's a couple of different things I saw on the internet. So there's one where you were hired to care for someone younger. Like you would like take like a teenage girl, it seems out. Like you just go with them, like be there, like kind of like. Oh, their chaperone. Kind of like their chaperone. Yes. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. in this case, we're talking about the opposite of that. A lady's companion was a woman of genteel birth. I don't know what that means. Um, it means. I looked it up. It means of wealth. Like okay. Usually they were from um, genteel. I think is is you know comes from a higher a higher caste. Well born and well bred yes. people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Get the fuck uh, out. So it's uh, a white, low, rich white lady. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Code for white. <laughs> so who lived with a woman of rank or wealth as retainer. The term was used in the United Kingdom from the 18th century to the mid 20th century, but is now archaic. The profession as such are known from most of the Western world. Um, it was related to the position of lady in waiting. Ah. Which were usually women from the most privileged backgrounds who took the position for the prestige of associating with royalty. Mm -hmm. So it was a lady in waiting. They were kind of like the friend of somebody who had higher class. And then by being in that circle, they could probably snag yeah. a husband who was like in exactly. that higher circle. Yeah. Kind of thing. Exactly. Ah. So the so, fathers were at work getting their daughters yeah. to be ladies in waiting. Um, so, but a lady companion, it was not regarded as a servant, but weren't treated as equal either. Mm -hmm. They, it says on Wikipedia that it was a less awkward position than that of a governess. Oh, because the governess just like took care of the kids and stuff. Exactly. I the know that from. was like Mary Poppins, right? Or Sound of Music. Yeah, Sound of Music. Yeah. Yeah. Um, only women from a class background similar to or only a little below of their employer would be considered for the position, which to governess seems like you could be, you oh, were yeah. of a lower. Mm -hmm. um, women took positions as companions if they had no other means of support as until the late 19th century when there were very few ways in which upper or upper middle class women could earn a living, which did not result in a complete loss of her class status. Oh, my oh, God. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. um, the companion's role is to spend her time with her employer, providing company and conversation. Oh, God, that would be terrible. To help her entertain guests and often accompany, accompany her to social events. In return, she would be given a room in the family's part of the house rather than in the servants' quarters would be provided and she would eat with the employer and she would be paid a small salary which would be called an allowance never wages she would not ah. be yeah she would not be expected to perform any domestic duties hmm. 
um, which her employer might not carry out herself. In other words, little other than giving directions to servants, fancy sewing and pouring tea. Um, the role was not very different from that of la the lady of a household, except for the essential, the essential subservience resulting from financial dependency. Mm. Um, the reason that they had lady companions is because these rich women spent most of their time at home, so they were bored, probably. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe we just to. We saw the man had to go off and go men, out of town. Doing men things, men, men. Doing men. men things, yeah. So the lady companion is basically a friend that you pay. I mean, I. Mm -hmm. It hasn't really gone away because to me, it just sounds like now it's the entourage. If right. you're rich, if you're an actress <laughs> yeah. or wealthy or something, then it's just, you know, you're living with me, but we're friends. Here's some money, mm -hmm. and you're just right. hanging out. Right. It, yeah. It's not a personal assistant because a personal assistant actually works for you. I mean, does stuff and gets a wage. Yeah. Right. Right. And that basically says it. You got a lady companion when you were too old to have a governess. Mm. Oh, wow. Isn't it funny how this movie is in the Hays Code? And so, but watching it in 2021, when they said that, oh, she's my lady companion, I, I went dirty with it. Oh yeah, like, you know, but it, but in nineteen forties that was their way. Like everybody would know, but the Haynes Code was to to shelter all of that mm -hmm. sort of innuendo. Mm -hmm. And then in twenty twenty one, it's Lady Companion. It's like, oh, excuse me, oh, okay. what? what? What services are you performing, lady? Mm -hmm. Um, it says the end of the Lady's Companion. Um, well, of in those terms, uh, they didn't need them anymore because they didn't have to stay at home anymore. So well, was... yeah, the war <laughs> happened and they all had to get their asses in the factory to make the munitions. True. Rosie the Riveter. Yeah. Um, they started rationing the food and it was like, Ugh. I, but as you said, it's still going on. You could still be a lady companion. Um, and I was on ZipRecruiter. <laughs> Really? There is a job. I mean, there's a bunch of things. A lot of them are like caretakers or, right. you know. Right. But this, we currently have a position for an independent young lady who likes to stay active and lives alone in her own home. This position provides reminders, emotional support, and companionship. Activities include walks, trips to social slash recreational activities, assistance with hobbies, and maintaining a safe environment. What kind of hobbies are we assisting? That sounds fun. This part or full-time <laughs> position is a great opportunity for recent graduate, college student, or someone who likes a slower work pace. Hmm. We offer flexible scheduling and training, no prior health care experience necessary, and no personal care needed. Oh. Paid training provided. Requirements, 18 years older or older, high school diploma or equivalent, and reliable transportation and attendance. Um, and it's ten to eleven dollars an hour. Mm -hmm. Talk about hobbies, go on trips and walks. <laughs> Not have to change a diaper. Sounds like some nice <laughs> side money. Yeah, true. that is true. So, <laughs> gone with the bushes. Brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Yeah. <laughs> now that job is in North Canton, Ohio. 
Oh, that's where the well, NFL Hall of Fame is. Also, though, I'll say it. This is a, an audio podcast. You can't, you can't see your face. It's Ohio. It's Ohio. Yeah. So, North Canton, Ohio. I mean, never even heard of it. You could go to Columbus and and try to find um, Eric Clapton. Eric Clapton. No, I mean, uh, or you could go to. Vaccine, so you guys have a splendid time together. Um, then there's um, Dave Chappelle down the road a bit. Yellow um, Yellow Springs. Other <clears throat> than that, yeah. Well, my other tasty nugget I just thought about when you mentioned. Um, the fur mm-hmm. in her closet. And I saw an article um, about the care caring, I think is how you say it, CEO officially declares company-wide ban on fur. And some of the brands that are under that um, umbrella are, well, Gucci already had, promise not to use fur in its products again. A bunch of these actually had already done it. Um, Alexander McQueen, Balenciaga, um, but there were a couple of others under this umbrella that had said they would never use, um, or that hadn't committed yet. So now all of these luxury brands will be for free. Oh, wow. Mm. Um, and then another, some other luxury brands have already done, like Chanel, Versace, Prada, and Burberry have also have already gone for free. Um, but I think it's interesting because it's a change in luxury fashion where they're trying oh, to be yeah. more, I mean, there's another, I think a lot of them are trying to be more sustainable and more, animal friendly and and plus the money i think that the money it it doesn't pay to be in the fur game as well as it used to so the money also who's buying well yeah i mean they're still going to use custom rich people like what they like yeah but yeah yeah excellent like how rich people would have the fur but then like indigenous people how you know if you're hunting and you kill the buffalo, for example, and then you eat all of the meat and then you use all of the and you use the fur to like keep yourself. But it was like you used all of the animal and respected right. the animal. Oh, as yeah. opposed to just like all of the fur that's just alive. Yeah. Not like, for luxury fashion. Yeah, exactly. It's it's like, well, come on. Yeah. Nice. And Those the, are tasty nuggets. Oh, go the ahead. The faux fur now is so realistic. I hear. <laughs> That's what they say on the housewives. Well, there you have it. Mm-hmm. Although I'm sure some housewives are still wearing some real fur. Oh, oh absolutely. Oh, of course. Okay. Um, Aaron, you want me to go? Yeah, go ahead. Sir Lawrence Olivier at this point was married to Vivian Lee. Oh, interesting. And he really pushed for Vivian Lee to be due winter. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. Hitch, Hitchcock decided no, not so. 
Um, the reason Sir Lawrence Olivier got the part instead of William Powell is that Sir Lawrence Olivier required $100,000 less than William oh. Powell. Was it William mm. Powell? In, he was my man Godfrey, right? Or was he also, and then wasn't he in the Bridge other thing that we River did? Kwai? Oh, I don't know. I know that we've done William Powell. I think he was in the, the movie with the, the glasses, Nick and Nora, right? Oh, oh, so that wouldn't have been the bridge. I don't know. Okay. This is, this is, though, I do have a question because mm -hmm. I read that this was the first time deep focus, deep focus photography was used. What is deep oh. focus photography? Um, deep focus photography is, I think, when I don't know, I'm looking it up off the top of my head. Oh, okay. I thought, oh, it's, um, it's where all of the elements of an image, the foreground, the middle ground, and the background are all in sharp contrast or all in sharp focus. I'm sorry. So this movie came out in 1940. This is the same year that Citizen Kane, I believe, came out. Yes. So it's it probably just beat it by that because Deep Focus was also used in Citizen Kane. It's when a lot of times like the Ansel Adams, I think, was famous for using the deep photography because you're so old school cameras and stuff with with light. You would have your f-stops which would mm -hmm. open up the iris and stuff and so the tinier that you made the hole would um that's usually you would have to make the hole tinier because you had an abundance of light and so the smaller that the hole is the more you can see in focus okay okay so you okay. could just see, so it's, it's that thing of like, if you, if you stick your finger in front of your face and you just look at your finger, the stuff that, and you focus on your finger, everything that's behind it is blurry. Right. Right. And then you can focus away and then your finger is blurry, but the deep focus would be your finger and what's behind it would all be clear. Excellent. Thank you. Yes. William Powell was in the one with the class. What was the, the name? Nick and Nora. And I was thinking William Holden, who was in Bridge Over the River Kwai. So Will, William Powell, um, uh, he had such good comedy. Yeah, so William I, Powell, he was very, like, the very stuffy kind of man. And he was the Thin Man, the Thin Man series. That's what yeah. we did. And, yes, he was, yes. yeah, he also was in My Man Godfrey. Yes. So, yes, yes. yeah. Okay. I don't I feel like Olivier really got the uh, inner torment Plus, you you definitely enjoyed the twinkle of his eyes. <laughs> I, I, just, I, I, I enjoy a young Olivier. A great mustache. Um, I have, the, we already mentioned how this was Hitchcock's American film debut. So the Academy Award nominations, it got a boat ton of nominations. It was nominated for Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Supporting Actress, Best Art Direction, Black and White. Best Director. Best Film Editing. Best Original Score. Best Visual Effects. Best Adapted Screenplay. And it won mm. Best Picture and Best Cinematography, back, Black and White. Mm. It's the only film since 1936 
1936 was the year that the supporting actor and actress categories were introduced that won the Best Picture Oscar, but no awards for acting, directing, or writing. Wow. Interesting. Did I cut you off? Did you have other tasty nuggets? No, no, no. That was it. Okay. Um, Hitchcock's famous for his cameo in every film. I missed Mm -hmm. it. Did you guys see it? Oh, I missed it, but I read where it was. Yeah, so his cameo is near the end. He's walking outside a phone booth after Jack Favell, who's played by George Sanders, um, makes a telephone call. Yeah. And I think he looks back at the audience. So Mm -hmm. I missed that. Um... I thought it was too long. Yeah. Joan Fontaine won Best Actress the next year. And she was nominated with her sister in the same category. Who won? She, she, Joan Fontaine, won. Oh, And there, this is, okay, so there, this would be fascinating to go into because they had a well-known, as I said, rivalry Allegedly, after when Joan Fontaine's name was read aloud, um, Olivia de Havilland, her sister, went to congratulate her, and Fontaine didn't see. Like, uh, according to Joan's point of view, she was so shocked that her name was called that she was just in shock, and she didn't see her sister trying to congratulate her. But Olivia was like, "That bitch." <laughs> Who does she think she is? Oh, that would be a good feud. Right? And so, but then her sister actually did end up winning the Best Actress Academy Award. And they're the only siblings to ever win Best Actress Acting Awards. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, and Joan Fontaine was actually went on later in her life to become a licensed pilot and also deep sea diver. Wow. Mm. Yeah. I guess she has an autobiography called No Bed of Roses or something like that. So that might be fascinating. Very interesting. Um, Danny. Miss Danvers was much younger in the film. In the book, she was older um, and was a more maternal figure. Uh, so, yeah. She so wouldn't have this, been playing with the underwear. Right. But it's interesting because Judith Anderson was 42 at the time of shooting. And they also didn't give her her uh, have a, any sort of past. Like, oh, what, what's her deal? She was right. just like, here, you're just going to be subtle and i heard that um hitchcock didn't want to see her walking she he wanted her just to glide so that Mm -hmm. she would just appear like right behind you and you never even knew she was coming she was so creepy Mm -hmm. (laughs) she was very creepy a restored nitrate print of rebecca was shown at grauman's egyptian theater in hollywood in 2019 and the screening was introduced by director christopher nolan huh Mm-hmm. And there's a great article. There was a good, if that's what I sent me. I had to send it to you guys because I it made me LOL so multiple times. It's called Hazed, colon, Decoding the Classics. It's by Lee Fabian Braithwaite. And it's on IndieWire.com. It's it's just, it's it made me LOL multiple times in it. 
Um, he said that this is one of the most thinly veiled lesbian cautionary tales in the Hollywood Hayes Code era. Um, he also points out how Maxim gets cold and distant and flies off into rage and how, like, he, that was what really sparked me of, like, wait a second, is Maxim, like, closeted and that's the whole thing? So, it certainly wasn't loving. No, no public displays of affection. Not at all. So those are my tasty nuggets. I couldn't find out why it's not available for streaming. Yeah. I think it's just one of those things where the classics is the MGM picture, but you know, those old movies and stuff, they didn't know about streaming. And so who owns the back catalog? It's really kind of confusing because I think when we did Hitchcock and Psycho, we mentioned that he had a different deal. So even though some of his movies would be for Universal or somebody else, they had it in the deal. But that was, you know, later in the 60s. This is in the 40s. So uh -huh. I think it's about who owns MGM's back catalog and probably specifically this catalog but like i say it's 2021 so most times you can just uh put in the old google machine the movie and you'll probably get a pretty decent especially since it's not anywhere streaming there are decent versions of this to watch so this is this has been rebecca and before we move on to next week's movie i want to give us a shout out because oh. i think it's because of us and our recasting that the reboot of the wonder years is is now playing on oh, abc with a black cast yes it had me oh. um, cheering up actually um um i don't know how to say his name dule dule hill oh uh-huh from he, the west wing yeah he's the dad is it and, a series yes it's yeah. a it's a series 1968 oh um, i'll have to watch that yeah, yeah i did enjoy the wonder the years narrator i know i love oh the that's years. a good narrator it is Boy. it's really so you yeah I and I think it's because of us doing our recast. Probably. Yeah. I heard great reviews on NPR. They said that it was great. They said that it wasn't just um the Wonder Years with a black cast, that it was the Wonder Years told through that time period exactly. the perspective of black people. Exactly. Exactly. So, which also ties into on um, PBS, man, Ken Burns is at it again. And his new documentary series, Four Parter, is on Muhammad Ali. And it's fantastic. Oh, anything he does is fantastic. Yeah, I was like, oh, Ken Burns has a new one. What is it? Because I'll, I'll pretty much go anywhere with him. And he's yeah. like, it's Muhammad Ali. I was like, oh, that's appointment television. I'm on it. It's great. So in. Okay, we are to the part of the podcast where we see what we're doing next week. And as I mentioned, it will be October. Spooky season. Spooky oh, Halloween. I'm so scared. Um well, we'll have you guess. Okay. This movie. Is also based on a book. 
Uh, Carrie. Any guesses? Yeah. No. Um, 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 wait. The, the, the devil woman. The possessed devil one. No. Okay. It was almost burned out of existence. The book or the movie? The movie. The movie was almost burned out of it. I think so. I saw a headline that said that. I didn't look much into it, but I believed it. Sounds like it's probably a Universal picture then, because Universal did have a burning. The Bride of Frankenstein. No. Germany is a clue. Uh-oh. Germany almost burned out wait, of existence. Wait, are we, uh, wait, Dracula? Ah, uh, you're very, yeah. Um, but it's Nosferatu. 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 Oh, wow. Nosferatu. Nosferatu. From. How would you spell that? N O S F E R A T U. Nosferatu, a symphony of horror, is a 1920, oh, 1922. It can't be that scary. It's from 1922. Yeah, 1922. Silent German expressionist horror film. Silent German expressionist horror film. Yes, Direct this is one of these classic. Look at TV. Directed by F.W. Murnau and oh starring Max Schreck as Count Orlock, a vampire with an interest in both a new residence and the wife of his estate. Damn, teeny. Yeah, it's only 94 minutes. Um, And I... It's, yeah, it's the first adaptation of dracula oh my gosh no i would not ever have but i didn't even know this existed i believe nerd alert there's gonna be nerd alerts is gonna be a big section the film is a nerd alert yeah wow Wow. again wow i think you can watch it Somewhere. Okay. Well, I don't know. We found this one on YouTube. So, exactly. And it was great. Well, listeners, this has been Rebecca. A bit of a snoozer to me. I I expected more. Me too. I was a snoozer until George Sanders showed up. And then it's like, okay, what's going on? Because it was just, I was laughing at Fontaine's reactions to things and the strings and stuff. But it was like, come on, come on. And then, you know, oh, he did murder her and he gets away. And you're like, this isn't, this isn't going to end well. Yeah. So we hope you enjoyed this episode. And next week, Nosferatu, mm-hmm. whoever heard. Hey. Bye. 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 Bye.